Hello, I'm Carrie Ann. Welcome to another service with Pastor Ray Dieter at Grace Baptist Church. Please check out our website, gbcevansville.org. There, you'll find videos of our youth and children's services, daily devotions, and other ministries our church has to offer. We invite you to join us on Sunday mornings for an in-person service where we'll practice social distancing and follow safety guidelines. Now, let's hear what Pastor Ray has to say. So what a blessing it was. On our trip, we went through Chattanooga. And every time I go through Chattanooga, I remember the first time that Joanne and I ever took our kids on a vacation. Uh, and we had a brand new 1973 Nova, so that tells you it was a long time ago. And we went to Chattanooga, went up Lookout Mountain, and then we went through Alabama because there's a manned flight center there, and our son wanted to see that. And, and we're in a little town in Alabama, and I stopped to get gasoline, all right? I pull into the pumps. Now, I have to understand, this is the first car I've ever had that uses unleaded. And so there's two pumps now. It used to be just a high-octane and regular. But I pulled up to the pump, I got out, went to pump it, and realized I was at the wrong pump. So I jumped in the car, I'm in a hurry, I jump in the car, and I'm not paying attention. I throw in a gear to back up to the pump behind me, and as I do, a guy has pulled in in a Ford, and I hit that Ford a ton. Knocked both headlights out of it, caved the green, gr grill in, and I jumped out and I thought, oh no, here I am in Alabama, don't know anybody, and I've been in this wreck that's my fault and I got out and I went to back to talk to the guy and a young man jumped out of that car and he come running and he looked at his front end he said oh that's not too bad that'll be all right uh, he said how's yours oh no nothing broke it's okay I see you got kids are those kids all right I said yeah they're fine he said so you're all good I said yeah we're all good he jumped in his car backed up and took off and left and I, I, I'm standing there and the little fellow that runs a gas station come walking out and he said, you look a mite confused. I said, yeah. I said, did you see what happened? He said, yeah, you knocked his grill back into his radiator. He said, but of all the people in this county to hit, you hit the right one because that's, that's Bobby Joe and he's been picked up three times because he's only 14 and he's not supposed to be driving. <laughs> and the judge told him the next time he got picked up, he was going to send him to reform school till he turned 18. So of all the people in Alabama to run into, I run into the right guy, you know. Now, I tell you that so that you'll understand, today we're going to do things a little different. We have been looking at appearances of Jesus after his resurrection and prior to his ascension. And the one we're looking at today to understand the whole story like I didn't understand the story about that accident, you have to go back. And you have to pick up the story that leads up to where we are today. So we're going to begin in Luke, in the 22nd chapter, the 31st verse. And, and it is a, a prophecy that Jesus makes right near the end of his life. And, it, and the Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith should not, be, not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. But he said to him, 
Lord, I am ready to go with you both to prison and to death. What a bold statement. Then Jesus said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster shall not crow this day before you will deny me three times that you know me. I want you to understand Satan's plan here. Look at that 31st verse. He says, And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. Here's the deal about Satan. He cannot, heart, he cannot bring himself to understand that people love God just out of a sense of devotion to God. That people would surrender themselves to God's authority and power and live their lives according to God's standards. He can't accept that anybody would choose freely to serve God. Uh, and, and he has always chosen the rebellion himself. The scripture says he was the most beautiful of all the angels, but he rebelled against God because of pride within his heart that he thought he could be equal to or perhaps even more than God. And so when he sees people who are devoted to God, who follow God, uh, he wants to discredit them, discourage them, and drive them from the throne of the master. And the reason for that is their, their devotion shines light on his failure. It reveals who he is in his prideful nature, who he is, the essence of sin. And so he will do anything to discredit someone who believes and follows Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Uh, he cannot stand for his failure to be revealed. Uh, and, and so Jesus said, look, Peter, Satan's been asking for you. He wants to sift you like wheat. He wants to test you. He wants to try you. He wants to prove that your faith is not real, that your faith is not strong. He wants to separate you and I. He wants to drive a wedge between us. Uh, it's interesting to understand in these situations that God is still sovereign. We need to understand that Satan can get all kinds of snares and traps, and yet God is sovereign in the midst of it. Uh, God sets the ground rules. Uh, it, it, what's Jesus say? He says, Satan's asked for you. In other words, he had to ask permission to do what he's going to do to you. It is so radical, Peter, that he had to come before the throne of God and say, I want to test that guy. I want to try that guy. I want to mess up that guy. Think about Job. Remember the story, great book of the Bible uh, in the Old Testament. Job is uh, there, and, and the Lord is in his throne room. And Satan comes, and he says, uh, God says to him, Have you looked at Job, my marvelous servant Job? And what does Satan say? He says, Well, he just loves you because you've blessed him. You've given him wealth. You've given him wisdom. You've given him a home. You've given him a great family. If he didn't have all those things, he'd curse you to your face. And God says to him, you can test him, but here's the limits. Can't kill him. And he puts the limits on him. So even in the midst of the trials and the temptations that come in our lives as believers, we need to understand that God's setting the ground rules, that he's sovereign in the midst of all, and he knows the outcome. Look at that 32nd verse. It's, it's a marvelous thing. 
He says, when you have returned to me, strengthen my brother. Jesus said, Peter, this is going to be hard. This is going to be difficult. But you're going to come through it. And when you come through it, I have an assignment for you to strengthen the brethren, to lead the brethren. Uh, and, and it shows us that, that God uses even Satan's schemes for his own purposes. Uh, one of the things we saw this week is the great opportunity that is available to us to witness to, to, to the Ukrainian people who are in exile. And we have, it, 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 they have gone into various countries out of the Ukraine and there's the opportunity to share the gospel with them that, that we, was not there before. Notice Jesus tells him, I'm praying for you in the midst of this. I'm praying for you in the midst of this. Jesus didn't say, well, you're going to go through this all by yourself. Jesus didn't say, well, you go out there, Satan, and and let him, uh, to Satan, and let him test you, and let him sift you, and I'll be waiting here. He said, I'll be praying here for you, Peter. Intercession on our behalf. Uh, when I was in the hospital with open heart surgery, Bobby Pell came to me, and he asked me who in the world I'd want to pray for me more than anybody, and I told him, Joanna. And since then, I thought about that, and I'd have to qualify that and say anybody on earth. But the person you really want to pray for you is Jesus himself who intercedes, the scripture says, with the Father on our behalf. He knows our needs before we have them. He knows the answers before they're there. He is a great God of details. Uh, now this is going to sound trivial, but I went to this meeting, and I've been on a roll. I don't know how many combs I've lost in the last month, but every time I turn around, I'm losing a comb. And we got to, to the meeting, and I'm unpacking, and I told Joanna, oh, my goodness, I, I, I've lost another comb. I don't have a comb. I, won't, I only had one left, and I only have one comb. And she said, well, I don't know what you're going to do. And I said, well, I'm going to look like a wild man. I unpacked the pants that I was going to wear to the meeting and put those pants on that morning and reached in the pocket and there was a comb in the pocket of those pants. Now that is not chance. Understand? And if God cares enough to make sure that dummy's got a comb in his pocket that he didn't know he was even there, think how much more he deals with the major problems in our lives when Satan buffets us, when Satan tries to defeat us, when he tries to separate us from the joy of our salvation. He prays and intercedes on our behalf. Look at what happened. Go to verse 54. Having arrested Jesus, they led him and brought him into the high priest's house. But Peter followed at a distance. Now when they had kindled a fire in the midst of the courtyard and sat down together, Pete sat, Peter sat down among them. And a certain servant girl, seeing him as he sat by the fire, looked intently at him and said, This man was also with Jesus. But he denied him, saying, Woman, I don't know him. And after a little while, another saw him and said, You also are of them. But Peter said, Man, I am not. Then after about an hour, another confidently affirmed, saying, Surely this fellow also was with Jesus, for he is a Galilean. 
But Peter said, man, I do not know what you're saying. Immediately, while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said to him, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. So Peter went out and wept bitterly. Peter was a prideful man. He was proud of his devotion to Jesus. He was proud that he was one of the inner circle of the, of the chosen twelve. He was in the inner circle even. And, and that pride got in his way. Uh, if you go back to what we were looking at, Jesus is, is telling him that Satan's going to tempt him, and Peter somehow thinks he's above and beyond that. He said, ah, oh, listen, don't worry about it, Jesus. I'd do anything for you. If they come to arrest you, they're going to have to arrest me. If they come and they're going to kill you, they're going to have to kill me. Pride. Listen, pride's the downfall of so many Christians. We become spiritually arrogant. Like the Pharisee that went to pray and he looked at the public and he said, at least, Lord, I'm not like that guy. And, and, and here's Peter. He is full of this pride. And Jesus tells him, let me tell you something, Peter. That's a bold statement. But before tonight's over, you're going to deny me not once, not twice, but three times. Peter must have thought, well, that isn't going to happen. But in what we just read, that prophecy is fulfilled. He had every opportunity to say, I'm a follower of Jesus and I'm here to see what's going on. He had every opportunity to say, I'm observing what's happening to my master, for he is my master. But each time when the opportunity arose, he said, I don't know him. I'm not with him. I'm not one of them. His failure is going to serve a positive purpose, and that's where we're headed. Uh, oh, how his heart must have ached when Jesus simply looked at him. Scripture says that, that uh, the Lord turned and looked at Peter. And I really don't think it was an accusatory look. I don't think it was a look of condemnation. I think he just looked at him and his intent was for Peter to know, I told you this is going to happen, Peter. I've seen it coming, Peter. Despite your arrogance and pride, I knew when the time came, you would fail. And he is bitterly broken. He wept bitterly. The word in Greek there means he wept totally uncontrollably. Great, great sobs that shook his body and his spirit. So he's been sifted. And the sifting has shaken him. Now, let's go to John 21. We are where we were headed. Last time we were together, we looked at the first half of this chapter. Jesus has fed the disciples by the sea and has given them uh, 
sustenance with a great catch of fish. He's reminded them of who they are and what they're called to do. Uh, so we pick it up now in the 15th verse of John 21. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Most assuredly, I say, when you are younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wish. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. This he spoke signifying of what death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, follow me. One of the most poignant conversations in the Bible. Jesus comes. They've had breakfast. They've had a marvelous catch of fish. We talked about that last week. And now, as breakfast is over and the coals and the fire are beginning to die down, in front of everybody, he turns to Peter. And he asks him three times, Do you love me? Do you love me? Three times Peter responds. You need to understand that when you belong to the king, you belong to the king. When you're a child of God, you're a child of God forever. You can fail. You can walk astray. You can commit grievous sin. But you still belong to him. He did not define Peter by one tremendous failure when he was sifted. Instead, he came to him and remember what he said to him when you've come through this, return to me. And he comes to him here and he doesn't ask him once. He doesn't ask him twice. He asks him three times. And what he's doing, he is reminding Peter, number one, of his arrogance and his pride and his sinfulness. And number two, he's saying, Peter, I, have, I forgave you before you even did it. You were forgiven before you were even in the courtyard saying, I don't know him, I'm not with him, he's not, I'm not one of his. The great thing about God is that He doesn't allow our failures to define who we are. He didn't say to Peter, well, Peter, you, you messed this up good. I told you this is going to happen. 
You didn't listen to me. Boom, 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 three times. So Peter, I, don't, I can't use you anymore. I'm going to have to find somebody else. I'm going to have to replace you. Because you failed miserably. What he's saying to Peter is, Peter, you failed miserably, but I still love you. I saw it coming. I prayed that you would come through it. And the important thing here, Peter, is do you love me? And, in, and we won't go into that. He uses two different words for uh, love in the passage. Uh, phileo, which is brotherly love, and agape, which is totally committed to God. But what he's saying to Peter is, do you love me with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your being? It's the greatest commandment. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul. And he's saying to Peter, look, Peter, I understand, and I love you. And you need to learn from this. The great thing about God is that he understands that we're going to fail him occasionally. As long as we're here, we're going to mess up. I uh, met a fellow last Sunday night uh, at the motel. And we were talking a little bit, and he had come out the motel where we were staying, had a bar, and he'd been to happy hour, and he was feeling pretty good. And uh, we got to talking. He said, where are you going? I said, well, I'm going to Florida. And we were talking a little bit, and, and uh, I said, what did you do? And he said, well, I worked at the steel mills in Gary, Indiana. We were both Hoosiers, so we found that out. And after the, in, in the midst of the conversation, he says, what do you do? And he was pretty wobbly. And I said, well, I'm a retired insurance agent. And God gave me one of those slaps on the back of the head. He said, tell him what you do. I said, I'm pastor of a church. I said, I was always bivocational pastor. And now I'm a full-time pastor. You see, you don't know when Satan's going to sleep, sneak up on you and you think you're doing the right thing, but you're not. Uh, thankfully, God gave me that slap on the back of the head and uh, I had an opportunity to talk to him a little bit about Jesus. But I wouldn't have if I just stayed a retired insurance agent. Listen, we all have times in our lives when we fall short what God intends for us. And the important part is to recognize when that happens and correct it. Now, Peter can't go back to the courtyard. He can't find the girl. He can't find the one that said he's a Galilean. But Jesus says to him, listen, you've got a task and a function ahead of you. Feed my sheep. He said, look, Peter, you've come through this. Don't ever let it happen again. Represent me well. Don't be afraid to share the gospel. And then he tells him an amazing prophecy. Most assuredly, I say to you, when you were younger, 
You girded yourself and walked where you wished. That means basically you dressed yourself and did what you wanted to do. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. Peter died. He was crucified. Upside down. When they went to crucify him, he said, I'm not fit to die the way God died. So they hung him upside down. He told Jesus once, I'd die for you. He totally and completely failed in the hour of the sifting. But he had a glorious end because he was shaken by what had happened. And he was submitted to the power and the authority of God. And he went from being the arrogant, prideful Peter to dying on the cross upside down because he didn't feel worthy to die right side up. Jesus gave him, after telling him that prophecy, he gives him a simple two-word commandment. Follow me. That's God's basic command to every one of his children. It involves a lot of things. It involves a lot of interpretation sometimes. But the command is simple. Follow me. Follow me. Fear no danger. Speak of me often and well. But follow me. Listen, I don't know about you. But this last week for me was a very, it, it was a very humbling experience. I don't know if you've had experiences like that in your life. Being a follower of Jesus, when we recognize our failures and our shortcomings, can be an absolutely humbling experience. But the thing to remember is, God never gives up on us. When we are His, we are His forever. And we mess up. The important thing is, does that grieve our heart and our soul? There's nothing wrong with being sifted. Every one of us, I submit, that sometime the devil sifts us. Some more than others. Always for the same pur- purpose, to discredit our, our witness and dr- destroy the joy of our salvation. And there's nothing wrong with being sifted as long as by the midst of the sifting, we are shaken. And we recognize that a loving God accepts us in spite of all our frailties and our failures. And he loves us in spite of those. It is called unconditional love. Not built on the condition that I'm always going to do everything right, everything exactly the way he wants it done in, 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 in a timely fashion. But based on the fact that he simply loves me. Don't know why. Uh, man, I, I, there's days I'm unlovable. I, I know y'all, and there's days most some of you are unlovable too. I'm sorry to tell you that. But he loves us. 
And so sometimes when we're sifted, it serves the great purpose of shaking us up and then it stirs us up to a better and deeper in commitment to Him. Sometimes that means we deepen our prayer life and we pray more. Sometimes it means we spend more time in God's Word. Sometimes it means we're faithful to gather, gather with God's children and worship. Sometimes it means we're out in the parking lot giving away clothing and watching little kids pass out tracks. It's all just a part of His simple command. Follow me. Follow me. Can't go wrong. He knows where He's going. We don't always know where we're going. We don't seldom know what's ahead. But He does. And we can follow Him without fear because He loves us. And when we follow Him, then we declare Him unto a lost and dying world. Our Heavenly Father, we're thankful. Peter was quite a guy, arrogant and prideful. And you allowed Satan to sift him because it served a purpose of shaking him. And having been shaken, you expressed to him your love, that he still belonged to you, even though he was disobedient, even though he denied you. And so he was stirred to do what he had said he would do in a prideful way. Now he says, in a complete submission of following you. They can take my life, but I will not deny him, and I will always follow him. Thanks again for joining us for another service with Grace Baptist Church. Connect with us using the social media links on our website, gbcevansville.org. We look forward to seeing you again next week.